We all need help putting God's Word into practical daily use. This podcast helps accomplish just that by giving people access to the applicable, gospel-centered messages of Dr. Cook on the air whenever they need it. Help send an encouraging word to someone today. Simply visit walkwiththeking.org donate to support Walk with the King. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, friends. How in the world are you? Doing all right? Well, I trust so. Bless your heart. I'm glad to be back with you. Feeling great. Praise the Lord. And we're going to continue, if you will, please, in First Peter chapter 3, walking around in verses 15 and 16. How do you really get ready to have an effective witness for Christ? Number one, sell out to God. Be sure that you've said yes to God. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Number two, get ready to share Christ. Be ready to be on the job for him when he opens the door for you. Be ready always, said he. Then you give your witness with meekness, and we were on that the last time we got together, if you remember. Meekness means your attitude toward other human beings. Humility is a Godward virtue. When you talk to other people, and, and if you brag about being humble, you know you're not. Humility is a Godward virtue. The quality of knowing that you need God every split second of the time and depending upon him, therefore, for his control. Meekness is the quality of appreciating the value uh, of another human being. God created that human being as his special creation. The genetic chain that is found in the cells of that human being is not duplicated in any other of the billions of human beings on earth. This is It just blows your mind to think about it, that God, who is the God of infinite power, is also the God of infinite detail. And so the, the DNA, the genetic chain in the cells of that body, of that person that you're talking with, are special, so special that they are not duplicated in any other living organism anywhere. Special meekness means you look at another individual as being of infinite worth, worthy of your attention, worthy of your love, worthy of all that you can do for that person. Then he says, give your answer with, in the King James Version, it says fear. And uh, I think the Greek New Testament actually uses that that word that always, not always, always, but but nearly always is translated uh, the fear kind of fear. Uh, let me just look and, and be sure. It's the end of verse 15, isn't it? With meekness and fear. Sure. Uh, uh, it's, it's the Greek word from which we get our phobia idea. You know, he has a phobia. It means he's afraid of something. Phobos, phoban. Phobu, all the different uh, forms of the verb. Uh, so uh, there's a sense, if you want to take it literally, there's a sense in which you approach your Christian witness with a good deal of, uh, of not craven fear, but of, of uh, a healthy respect for the importance of, of the situation. Let me illustrate it for you. A very simple matter. 
you are having to change an electric light fixture. Let's say it's in the ceiling. Now, if you've been properly taught, when you start to uncouple that electric light fixture, you make sure that the hot wire is covered. Yes, you uncouple it. There's a little, there's a little, a little screw cap that uh, that goes over the place where the wires are joined, and you you unscrew that and you uncouple it. But if you're smart and if you have real respect for what you're doing, you're going to see to it that that hot wire is covered up again. Why? Because if you don't, a careless movement uh, of your hand or your screwdriver or other implement will touch that hot wire and short it, and you could be severely injured or killed. You don't want to be electrocuted, and so you you take care of it. Now, does that mean that you approach the task trembling and, and cowardly and shaking in craven fear? No, not at all. It does mean, however, that you have learned that the situation is serious enough that you have to be careful. Now, it seems to me that there's something like that involved in this matter of your witness. He says, approach the individuals with whom you speak with real appreciation and respect. That's covered in our discussion of the word meekness. Now he uses the word fear. What does that mean? Am I afraid of this person? No. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. I look heavenward and realize that God could kill me just by looking away from me. I know that he's all-powerful, and my soul reaches up toward him in faith, but also in a godly respect and holy awe, the fear of God. What else? It is the realization that if this thing isn't done right, I could do tremendous damage in this relationship. How many people have been turned off from the Savior because of carelessness on the part of some Christian? The number must be immense. Carelessness on the part of some believer has done immense damage in the lives of people who are observing it and perhaps misinterpreting it. He says, give your answer with fear. Why? Because you're dealing with something far more dynamic than that electric wire uh, that you are fiddling with when you change the, the uh, chandelier. You follow me there? You're dealing with something that is tremendously dynamic. And you don't want to short-circuit it. You don't want any careless words of yours or careless action or careless attitude. You don't want any of that to short-circuit the work of God's divine power flowing through you. And so you approach the task with, with a very sensible awareness of the seriousness of the situation. That's what that word fear has wrapped up in it. You understand? Do your witnessing with the realization that this is indeed serious business. Yes. Jim Mallis, who is now with the Lord, was the son of a tea planter who 
uh, also established a little church yonder in the land of India on a tea plantation. Jim was raised in that uh, setting and uh, later on came back from India to Great Britain and uh, pursued for a while a, a pre-medical uh, education, went to university and, and studied medicine, and uh, finished his, uh, his studies, did, I think, his internship, uh, for, and then was strangely moved uh, to get into gospel work and finally became a missionary on his own. He was, when he came to minister to my church, in LaSalle, Illinois, he was I then, I suppose, 55, something like that, or 60, who knows. Anyhow, he had a, a lifetime of experience uh, and a very rich understanding of the Word of God. I remember I asked him, what is the secret? I asked him one time, what is the secret of, of the richness that you have in, in your opening of the Word of God? He said, well, I'll tell you, I'm a little different from many of you people. A lot of you read the Bible like a textbook. And you, you, you outline it and you, you work on it. I read it, he said, just to hear God say something special to me. And when he does, then I pass it along. <laughs> well, there's a difference there, I guess. Anyhow, he told the story of what had happened in his, in his medical studies. And I don't suppose this could possibly happen today, because that was a good many years ago now. Uh... That was back in the 40s, and the man himself that was speaking was already either pushing 60 or 60 was pushing right back. So it had it had been a few years before. You understand the setting of what I'm about to tell you. But he said he was he was watching in an operating room, and uh, there was a delicate operation being performed on some patient, and the surgeon asked for a certain implement, whatever it was, and was handed to him. He took one look at it and tossed it on the floor. Now, it so happened that this was a, this was a, an unusual instrument, and they had to scurry around and find another one that had been sterilized. After the operation was over, the surgeon gathered all the students together. He said, you saw what happened. He said there was a tiny speck of rust on that instrument. And he said, this is so important. A man's life is hanging in the balance and any little carelessness could have killed him. He said, you can't allow even a tiny speck of anything. Now that, I say, was a great many years ago and today you have stainless steel and you have the, the uh, sterilizers that uh, sterilize everything under a good many pounds of steam and all that. But that's what happened then. Just a little speck, carelessly applied, could jeopardize, said the surgeon, a person's life. Well, you get the point, I'm sure, don't you? A little carelessness on my part could jar the hand of the great physician as he operates on somebody's soul, could introduce a speck of spiritual infection in a life that so desperately needs the healing balm of Gilead. Do your work with a sense of the immense importance of what you're doing. Pretty good idea, wouldn't you say? 
Now he says, having a good conscience. Verse 16, a clean conscience is part of an effective witness. We go back then to the the point with which I opened uh, yesterday's broadcast. To to know that you're right with God, that things between you and God are settled, is so important. But this matter of conscience is not simply a once-for-all concept, but it has to do with the living of every day's life, moment by moment, sentence and paragraph by paragraph, situation by situation. I need constantly to let God keep my conscience clean, having your conscience cleansed. The blood of Christ will purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living and true God, we read in the Bible. If we confess our sins, he said, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And as a result, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Having a good conscience. What does that mean? You and I are fallible, faulty human beings. And so we do slip and we do make mistakes and we do come short. And when that happens, we need immediately to run to the mercy seat and ask the Lord Jesus to cleanse us. A clean conscience, moment by moment, is part of an effective witness. I'll get back to that the next time we get together, God willing. Lord Jesus Christ, we worship thee and we pray that our lives can witness effectively for thee, our loving Lord. I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.